Amen. Thank you for being here on this nasty Wednesday night. One of the great things about heaven is that we will not have to contend with weather anymore. Amen. No weather, and we won't have to deal with weary bodies. We're going to have a new body. Hallelujah. Hold on, folks. It's going to be worth it all. Amen. I said it's going to be worth it all. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. No traffic snarls. No red lights. No cops. No speed traps. Oh. Oh, yes. Somebody, I'm going to hit something somebody's going to shout about here in a minute. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I just need to make sure I make it there. Because if you don't, folks, you think you got trouble now. My Lord, have mercy. Why wouldn't anybody want to live for God? Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. While you're turning, let me say along with Brother Landon, please Be mindful that tomorrow night is not just for our church family. It is an opportunity to outreach to our community. And I promise you, if you've not been in the gym, you're going to be blown away by what they have prepared for our kids to have a great time. No scary costume, none of that kind of stuff. Just good, wholesome fun and uh, a lot of free stuff. Amen. I may have to break my diet tomorrow night, but I plan on having a little candy. I don't know about you. First Kings chapter four or chapter three and verse number four, read down through verse number thirteen. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. And in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a child. I am but a little child. I am but a small child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. I thought that was interesting. He did not say good and evil. He said that I would know the difference between good 
and bad. Good choices, bad choices. Good decisions, bad decisions. Good attitudes, bad attitudes. Know the difference between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and you have not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor asked bread for thy life, or for you have not asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. God said, Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, and neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, I am aware of the time, and I, I hope that I will not be lengthy tonight, but I honestly come to you with a feeling that perhaps... What I want to share with you tonight may be one of the most important messages that I will ever deliver to you. I hope you will receive it. My title is rather lengthy, but I want you to listen carefully. I want to talk to you tonight about mastering the art of living in accord with God's expectation for your life. I want to say that again. Mastering the art of living in accord or in agreement with God's expectations for your life. How many of you believe that God has plans for your life? Some of you don't. How many of you believe God has a plan for your life? How many of you know that you're not here by accident? How many of you know that if God was through with you, He would have already removed you? He hasn't, so He isn't. God bless you, you may be seated. I, I am often amazed and sometimes I am amused at the people that God chooses to use in His divine purpose. When you look at how God operates, sometimes it is puzzling. And it is difficult at times to comprehend. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He uses the simple things. He uses the weak, the uh, insufficient, 
the lack of talented people. And he uses them for his divine purpose. There are times that when you look at the people that God has in place in, in life, you see they are such a misfit for their calling. Now, if you and I were to have been allowed a vote as to who our spokesman would be, I dare say none of us would have chosen who God chose to be his spokesman. If we'd had a lineup of 12 men, well, let's, let's go back, a lineup of 11 men. One of them was a devil. But if we had a lineup of 11 men, and you had to go through and choose which one of them would be the best suited for leading the charge or fulfilling the purpose that God had called this world and these men to fulfill. I dare say none of us would have chosen who the Lord chose. I mean, who is going to choose for their leader a man who can't keep his foot out of his mouth? Who is going to choose as his spokesman a man that can't control his temper sometimes? And a man who, who, who misspeaks. Who's going to choose a man that seems more intent on fumbling the ball than handling the ball? We would not have chosen Simon Peter. When we looked at the lineup and we went through all of the do's and don'ts and we went down the line of what makes a good leader and what doesn't make a good leader, he would have been the first one off the list. A guy that shoots off at the mouth. A guy whose brain gets ahead or his mouth gets ahead of his brain. A man who is constantly getting himself into hot water because of what he says. And yet God tapped him to be the man that would stand on the most pivotal day in the Jewish nation when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost had been given and to announce what this was. He chose Simon Peter. You and I would have chosen John or somebody that seemed a little more equipped, but that's God. The collage of people that make up the church is certainly colorful. And all of us are needed. The cast of characters that God uses to accomplish His purpose is truly amazing. And I want to re reiterate to you tonight that God made no mistake when God put you where you are. He put you here for a reason. And there are times when we look around and we see the setting and we think this will never work. But somehow it does. And this is the reason that it works. Because it's really not about us to begin with. It's about Him. And it's about His power to transform our lives and help us become what we in ourselves would never be able to become, to never be able to accomplish. If it had been left to Simon Peter and there had been no transforming Pentecost and no spiritual encounter that empowered him, 
He would have gone on being the blundering idiot that he was and he had shown himself to be. But when he walked out of that prayer meeting and he walked out under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, something began to happen in his life that transformed him to become what God needed at that moment for that hour and for that time and for that people. Folks, I know that when you look at me, you see a lot of limitations, but you don't even know the half of it. When I look around at my beginnings and I realize where I have come from and how backward and shy and inhibited I was as a young man, to even acknowledge a call on my life took three or four years for me to even get the gumption or the guts to go to my pastor and say, I feel God touched my life. I, I don't know how to respond to it, but I had a visitation from God. I, I had an encounter with God, and I feel his hand. It, it, I, you talk about backwards. I was the most unprepared and ill-equipped man to be called into the ministry. And there's been many times I've looked at myself in the mirror and say. How in the world have you gotten to where you are today? And I understand how I've gotten here. Not that I am anybody or anything, but I'm here because of the grace of God. I'm here because God has been good to help me through my weaknesses and strengthen me in my adversities and help me become what he has designed me to become and to accomplish what he expects me to accomplish. Solomon had been chosen to become the king after his father David. There were other sons in the family that could have assumed the reins of leadership. There were other men that no doubt were as qualified, if perhaps more, not more qualified, than Solomon. I do not believe that Solomon was as wise as he became when God called him. I believe God's calling on his life equipped him to become what God wanted him and needed him to be for his people. And the wisdom that came to Solomon came after this prayer, not before this prayer. I don't believe that if you go back and read, Solomon had already begun making mistakes in his life. If you read the previous verses, you will find that Solomon worshipped the Lord, but he also went to the high places, which were pagan places of worship, and he also participated in pagan worship. So he had already started down a road of mistakes in his own life until this encounter with God one night when the Lord appeared to him and said, Solomon, what do you want in life? What do you want me to do for you? I want to ask you a question tonight. If you, have the, if you have the choice tonight to pick anything you could pick in life, it was yours. Whatever you ask, it was going to be done. What would you ask God for?
money, fame, power, position. All of those things are attractive. All of them have a way of speaking to our nature. Who doesn't want to be powerful? Who doesn't want people to bow and scrape to us? And God appeared to Solomon and said, Okay, son, I'm going to give you an opportunity. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm going to give you a choice to make in how life turns out. And I want you to understand, Solomon, that you have a choice as to how you're going to approach life and how you're going to deal with the problems of life and how you're going to deal with the people that come into your life. And you're going to have the the ability to choose the attitude and the approach that you take toward money and wealth and fame and power and prestige and all of those things. And so, Solomon, I want to know what you want me to do for you. And when that question was asked in his dream, it weighed upon him. Because all of a sudden, Solomon, he began to realize that wealth was all right, but it wasn't the answer to problems. And and power was okay, but power wasn't the answer and all of that. And so when God asked him, what could I give you to help you accomplish your task? What can I give you to help get you down the road toward the fulfillment of your purpose? Solomon began to realize that what other men had reached for was not sufficient. And when he considered all that was available, riches, power, fame, he realized that none of those things could do what he knew needed to be done in his life and the lives of others that he would lead. And so he asked for this one thing. It seems as though Solomon realized that he had had a certain mindset of life that had directed him to this point. And there was a certain way that he had gone about living and thinking and doing and acting up to this point. But when he looked from this point beyond, when he looked from where he was to where he saw God wanting him to go, he realized that the mindset that I have lived by, the mindset that has affected my decisions and my direction and my choices and all that has formed me to this point is not sufficient to take me where I need to go. If I take where I am right now and I let that be carried out the rest of my life, I am not going to live up to your expectations for my life. And so God, what I need you to do is give me a new mind. I need you to transform my thoughts. I need you to change me. Because what I have been is not sufficient to take me where I need to go. And so he prayed a prayer that changed his life. And I come tonight to tell you that the prayer that Solomon prayed that night is a prayer that all of us need to pray tonight. And not just tonight, but tomorrow night and the next night for the rest of our life. This prayer of Solomon is so wonderfully revealing and insightful. And it contains within it a certain attitude toward life that is needed if a man or a woman 
is going to succeed. If I'm going to be what God has called me to be, if I'm going to accomplish the purpose God has for my life, if I am going to be successful in life, this is what I must have in my life to accomplish that. God had called him to this hour. There was no mistake that God's hand was upon him, but the choice of how he was going to approach life and how he was going to deal with life and how he was going to handle people and how he was going to handle problems and how he was going to work through the challenges of his life. That choice was before him that night. And when he realized it, it simplified his prayer. He knew there's really only one thing that I need to pray for. And that is for an understanding heart. An understanding heart. You see, there was much to be considered that weighed on Solomon's mind at that time. When you look at Solomon's life, it looked like he had it all together. He came from good stock. He was appointed king. He didn't have any rivals at the time. He had the royal family behind him, the benefits of living in the lap of luxury But he also felt a certain sense of responsibility for his position and that weighed upon him and he felt inadequate for that moment. He felt insignificant when he weighed himself against what was before him. There were a lot of challenges that Solomon faced. The challenge of his own heritage was one of them. His father had been one of the most famous kings that had ever lived. His name was David. He is the most beloved of all, even to this day. Of the Jewish nation, David is still the most beloved of all of those who lived before him. And that man was his father. And the sad fact was Solomon couldn't be David. Solomon had to be Solomon. Now, I know that sounds, you probably think, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, there's a lot of people that spend a lifetime frustrating themselves and annoying the people around them trying to be somebody that they're not called to be. And they frustrate themselves and their family because they're trying to fit into something that doesn't belong to them. They're trying to go to war with Saul's armor. And God doesn't want you to go to war with Saul's armor. If he wanted that, he would have called Saul to go to the battle. What he needs is a David, somebody with faith that says, God, I don't have very much, but everything I do have is yours. And if you'll use it, we're going to bring this giant down. We're going to overcome this obstacle. We're going to defeat this foe that is before us. Praise God. There was not only the challenge of his heritage, but there was a challenge of his own limitations, his own weaknesses, his own liabilities, his own deficiencies. He felt them deeply. And I know that because I listened to what he prayed, listened to what he said. When he's talking to God and he's weighing the weight of the moment that's in his life, he said, oh God, I am but a little child. Now, this is a grown man speaking, but he said, I, I, I feel so vulnerable. I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know the ropes. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know how to be a king. 
I don't know if I fit in. I know my limitations. I know my inabilities. He didn't have the answers that were needed for that hour. And not only that, he said, I'm not, I'll not only feel like a child, but he said, I am surrounded. I am thrown down in the middle of this great nation. Great nation, but great problems. Great opportunity, but great obstacles. Great people, but great problems. Have you ever feel like that you that you just been thrown into a great opportunity, but my Lord, everywhere you look, there's problems. Have you ever felt like that it was a great situation, but my Lord, is there so much stress here? <clears throat> great issues were at stake. And he said, here I am. I am surrounded by so great a nation. I've been set down in the middle of a great situation, but there's great obstacles, there's stress, there are needs, there are problems, there's a lot at stake, there's a lot in the balance. And he said, I feel like I'm surrounded by this, this massive army of people and the demands on me are greater than I know how to handle. And Solomon began to feel the pressure of the moment. He had followed a great man. He was afraid that he couldn't do it. He felt so small. This is too big of a job for me to do. He was afraid that what was behind him might cripple him. The mistakes he had already made, they might come back to haunt him. But more than that, Solomon was fearful of the things that were before him that he wasn't sufficient for what God was calling him to do. And inside this man that we come to know as the wisest man that ever lived were fears just like you and I have in our hearts right now. Fears that life before him was bigger than he was. Fears that the challenges in my life are too great. Fears that what I'm dealing with I don't know the answer to. Fears that the people that I'm handling I don't know how to handle. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? He was fearful that the things that were before him were too great for him. And there's revealed in this prayer a certain degree of intimidation toward life. Have you ever felt intimidated by life? Have you ever been put into a situation where you just felt overwhelmed? This whole situation for him was overwhelming. And there's revealed this vulnerability called to be what he had been called to be dealing listen to me dealing with the people that he had been called to deal with handling the problems that he would be called to handle leading a people in a way that they needed to go and the decisions that would have to be made the decisions. And it wasn't long after this that you find the pressure of that really being seen when two mothers come before him. Two mothers, two women who had babies. And one of them, their baby had died in the night because the mother had rolled over and suffocated. 
And when she awoke and realized what had happened and she saw that the other woman was asleep, she exchanged babies with the other woman and she gets up in the morning as if her baby were alive. And the real mother realized, this is not my child and so it is brought before Solomon. How do you deal with problems like that? There's no win. There's no way that you're going to find, you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, that's the way I feel a lot of times as a pastor. I don't care what. I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. And I'm not cursing. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you do. If you do this, somebody's going to be mad over here. If you do that, it's just like the temperature. If you lower the temperature, somebody's too cold. You raise the temperature, somebody's too hot. You mess with the sound, it's too loud. It's not too. You, you, you're dealing with that all the time in life. And you deal with that on a daily basis. You can't make everybody happy. And so here Solomon is thrust into this. And the power is in his court. He has the power and the authority to decide. What are you going to decide? And so he says, bring me a sword. We'll divide. Do you think Solomon would have been cruel enough to have actually done something like that? Absolutely not. But he knew something about motherhood. He must have known something about motherhood. You know where that, that must have come from? You know what I thought was interesting? I hadn't ever thought about this until recently. That every time Bathsheba's name is mentioned in Scripture, almost invariably it is never connected to the being the husband of David, but she was, or the wife of David. She was the wife of Uriah. That was a moment of failure for her and David. Her husband's out at the war. David sees her. He desires. And you know what happened. And out of that comes this baby, Solomon. But Solomon evidently had learned from his mother how to deal with adversity. And so here he is and he knows the heart of a mother. And he knows that the real mother's not going to let this happen. But where did that come from? Where did the ability to know how to do that? It came from this night in prayer. When he was faced with a choice. What do you want, Solomon? What do you think you need for your journey? What do you think will need be needed to help you accomplish your purpose? What I've got planned for you. What do you think you're going to have to have? What kind of equipment are you going to need? And it was in that moment that Solomon seemed to know that his work could not be done to its best if he did not have this one thing. And so Solomon prayed. He wanted the kind of heart it would take to succeed in life. To succeed in relationships. To succeed in handling people. To succeed in dealing with problems. Is anybody listening? Nobody's asleep right now. To know how to handle frustrations. What kind of heart is needed? To deal with adversity. And he said, I need an understanding heart. An understanding heart. The Hebrew word means a hearing heart. I thought that was so interesting. That, that Solomon prayed for God to give him a hearing heart. He's known for all that he spoke. All of the wisdom of Solomon that's what we know him for. But what he prayed for was a heart that could hear. Because if you don't hear, you really don't have anything to say. 
and the trouble with the world in which we live right now and a lot of people in the church, there's a lot of talking going on, but there's not much being said. It's because we're more interested in being heard than hearing. We want our agenda. We want our plans. We want our desire. We want this. We want that. And instead of that, Solomon realized that if I'm going to be the king that you call me to be, looking back on what I've already done wrong, looking to where I need to go, there's one thing that I need. I need wisdom, God. I need an understanding. I need a heart that listens. I need a heart that hears the voice of God so that I will know the right things to do. And when God heard that prayer, he was pleased. He said, I'm going to give you a wise an understanding heart. The word wisdom means skill. The ability to work with things and through things and over things. That's what wisdom is. It's the ability to take life and figure out how to make it work best and then go about and do it. The interesting thing though was when I got to studying the word that is used for understanding or wisdom that it is a progressive word. It was not an accomplishment. It was a process. Listen to me. I think all of you are aware that Solomon made a fool of himself before he died. How many of you know that? You don't know that? I mean, anybody that would have that many concubines and wives, he got something wrong upstairs. Some people think that's the man's dream. I'm telling you, that's a man's nightmare to have that many people to have to answer to. Some of you husbands are afraid to shake your head, yes, but you know what I'm saying. He died a fool. How did that happen? I got to thinking about that today. God, how could a man that you christened and blessed with such wisdom and insight and knowledge... How could he make such a mess of his life at the end? And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said he happened, it happened that way because Solomon thought that wisdom was an accomplishment instead of a process. And so he gains this insight and knowledge that I give him and he reaches a place where he's satisfied and he knows everything and nobody can teach him anything and he quit growing. And God said, if you, want to, if you want to know what the reason people shipwreck in life is because they quit growing. They get to the place, I've been in church 30 years, I've been in church 40 years, I've talked in tongues all my, I've prayed this, I've prayed that, I've done this, I've done that. And we get to the place that we know everything, we know how church works, we know how services operate, and we lose that sense of need in our life. And we lose that feeling that God, I don't care how old I am, I've got to grow. I've got to move. I've got to keep going because I've not reached the end of my life yet and I still need you as much now. And the reason Solomon made such a mess out of his life when he had such a wonderful beginning is because he quit growing. You know, when I was evangelizing, I went to a lot of places. I mean, I mean, oh, God have mercy. My wife and I slept in beds that had fleas in it. And I'm not exaggerating. Didn't know it till later, but the pastor let his dog in at night to sleep in the church nursery. That was our evangelist quarters. Wake up in the middle of the night, he's got fleas all over me. 
went into one home. <clears throat> we stayed. We didn't have a trailer. Went upstairs. There was no door, only sheets hanging over the door. And there was only sheetrock on one side of the, of the wall. Went to the church and it looked just as bad. And you know what I thought? You know what, God? I don't care where you send me. And I don't care where you call me to go. I made a pact with God. I'll never preach for money. And I don't care who asks me to come. I'm going to go preach for them. If you open the door, I'm going to walk through it. I didn't make any demands on God. I just went, but this is what I made up my mind. God, wherever I go, I'm going to learn something. And I learned some things I wanted to do. I learned a whole lot of stuff I didn't want to do. I'm not telling you tonight that I still remember all that, but I am here to tell you that I don't ever want to get to a place in my life that I feel smug and secure and I feel like I made it or that I have an advantage over you or anybody else. I'm still a learner. I'm still trying to grasp because what's ahead of me is greater than what's behind me. And I can't rest on what I had yesterday. I can't rest on what God did for me last week. What's before me is greater than what's behind me. And I need a new revelation. I need fresh wisdom for today. I need to know how to deal with people. I need to know how to handle the problems that life throws at me. I need the help of God. And so Solomon prayed this simple prayer. God give me an understanding heart. I've come to tell you Greater Life Church that there is an art to living well and living right. And it is a way that you can navigate all of the challenges and all of the changes that life throws at you and still have the right attitude. How much of our success or failure in life depends on the spirit in which we meet the challenges before us. There are people who are frustrated tonight because of what you're dealing with. You're frustrated tonight because of the people that you're dealing with. You're frustrated tonight because you feel like we ought to be here, but we're way back here. You feel like we ought to be better, or you ought to be better, or your family ought to be better, and we're struggling to make it. You're aggravated that life has so perplexed you, or problems and pressures have been so great in the conflict. I wonder how much conflict could be avoided if we just prayed this prayer, God, give me an understanding heart. How much conflict could be avoided if we just said, God, give me a wise and understanding heart. How many wars would be averted? How many bad decisions? How many family blow-ups would be avoided? How many marital breakdowns would have been avoided? How much peace could be maintained in life if we would just pray this prayer, God, give me a wise and understanding heart. How much better a husband or a wife I might be if I would pray, God, give me a wise and understanding heart. You see, we need a wise and understanding heart to know when to speak and when not to speak, when to hold our peace. Just because you have the ability to say it doesn't mean you need to say it. Oh, hallelujah. Are you all asleep tonight? Are you listening to me? We need wisdom and understanding to know how to deal with people. 
I love church. It's just the people in it that get me down. <laughs> You're smiling because you know what I'm saying. The personalities. You think, how in the world did this hodgepodge ever happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It's called G-R-A-C-E. And we're all here because of it. And we wouldn't be anything without it. We need a wise and understanding heart to know how to go out and come in. I thought it was interesting. Because in my mind, in my prayer, I've always said, God, I don't know how to go in or come out. That's not what Paul, that's not what Solomon said. He said, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. He's saying, God... I've got to make sure that I don't mess up finishing this thing. I don't want to crash land. I need you to help me get this thing to a safe place. I don't even know how I got here. But I really don't know how I'm going to go out. I need your help in getting out. of. You know what I've been trying to do over the last few years? Just keep from crash landing. I'm just being honest. Are you, you, you know, does anybody here know what I'm talking about? I mean, the pressure, the stress, the stuff that just drives you maddie. It makes you want to just go find a job at Walmart and be that cheerful greeter that pushes a cart out to somebody and says, Welcome to Wally's World. Some of you are looking at me like, What happened to you? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe Wally World's not your favorite place, but there's, you have a favorite place. Oh, yeah, you have one. But to know how, to know what it will take for me to finish this race and finish it well. I need wise and an understanding heart for what's ahead of me. Folks, I have news for you. It ain't going to get any better and it's certainly not going to get any easier. And the Bible said, if you've walked with the footman, and that's weird you. What are you going to do when the flood comes? What is ahead of me is great. There's great opportunity there. There's great revival there. But there's also great op- obstacles and opposition. And there's great tr- pressures and stress there. I'm not afraid of that, but I need the help of God to be able to go through that. And so I need to pray that God would give me a wise and an understanding heart. I need a wise and an understanding heart to raise my family if I'm raising a family. I need to know how to live this life. I need a wise and an understanding heart to know what to fight and what not to fight. How many unnecessary battles do we fight in life? My Lord, how many hills do people die on that are not worth dying on? Praise God. We fight unnecessary battles because we've not had an understanding and wise heart. God, I need a wise and understanding heart to trust your plan that it's going to work. Because in the chaotic world that we live in right now, it looks like God's getting beat. I don't know if you've read the internet lately or your newspaper or you've listened to the pundits, but they are saying that religion is dead. 
that God is dead. They've been saying that, but more so lately than ever before. And if you listen to all that and you look around at how, how bizarre our world has become and how twisted so-called church has become, it's a circus, folks. It's a zoo. And you look at all that and you think, God, is this real? It takes a wise and an understanding heart to trust God's plan that, folks, when the last bell has been rung, the last sound that's going to be heard is the sound of a trumpet. Amen. I need wise and understanding heart to know what is right. Day by day demands to know how to help others, to know how to be a good parent, to know how to be a good brother or sister in the church, to know how to get along with people. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. To know how to get along in my marriage. To know how to get along in difficult times. I need a wise and an understanding heart. And I'm closing. You can stand. <clears throat> He's finished. Somebody say it. He's finished. Just tonight I am. You see, wisdom can help you in your life no matter what you do. On your job, with your kids, with people. Marriage, it doesn't matter. All of us need the help of God tonight. And on that pivotal night, Solomon's life, opportunity was given him. What do you want, Solomon? What do you desire for me to do in your life? And oh God, when I weigh, when I, when I weigh all of this out, and I try to make sense of it all. There's really only one thing that I know will work. I need a wise and understanding heart. I need a hearing heart. I pray that God would help me have such today. When I began to think about this message just a few days ago, I realized the opportunities that were before our church. I also saw the challenges. Nobody knows the weaknesses of this church any more than I do. Nobody. And sometimes those weaknesses are more blaring, glaring than others. But you know what? We're not any of us going to make it if God doesn't help us. But I'm confident tonight God's going to help us. And if this man right here standing before you tonight is not enough, God's going to help me become that or he's going to move me out of the way and bring you somebody that is. But this church is not going to be handicapped because of your limitations or mine because this church is not about me. It's about him. And he's already spent too much and pay too high a price to let this church fail. Amen. Praise God. God, what do you want? He said. What do you want? I want a wise and understanding heart. Anybody feel that way tonight? Anybody dealing with stress in your life? Anybody dealing with people that are difficult to deal with? Anybody having to handle problems right now that are just too bizarre? Why don't you pray that prayer with me right now? 
God, we don't know how to stand before you. We, we don't know how to go out. We don't know how to finish this thing. But we do need your help tonight, God. We need a wise and an understanding heart. When we make decisions about our future, when we make decisions about who we're going to be connected to, who we're going to spend our life with, we make connections, Lord, that will influence our eternity. Let us do it with a wise and understanding heart. God, when we stand before you, let us stand with that that understanding that we are not enough. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but our sufficiency is from you. God, would you give us an anointing? Would you place your hand upon this church tonight in a renewed way? Would you renew our vision, Lord? Would you renew our passion, our desires, our hungers, our mind, our life? To realize, Lord, that we need a new mindset for that new opportunity. We need a new vision for a new day. We need a fresh anointing for this fresh endeavor. God, I need it tonight. I'm asking you for wisdom. I'm asking you, God, for an understanding heart. God, an understanding heart.